You're listening to Living Faith, the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. This is the morning sermon from Sunday, May 7th, 2017. This is part of our current Sunday morning series, Look and Live, Life and Light in the Gospel of John. Find the Gospel of John in the New Testament and turn to John chapter 3. Over the next couple of weeks in this previous week and probably the next couple of weeks we're going to look at this section here in John chapter 3 we are dealing with a very important question what does it mean to be born again we've been singing and worshiping already about uh, the wonder of the cross and uh, what a what a great message Jesus saved how many of you still believe that Jesus saved you believe that we look out into the world today and we see so many issues and so many problems and so much stuff that we're dealing with and we can get so uh, caught up in all of that and discouraged and distracted, but the message is still simple, that Jesus saves. If you're here today, I want you to listen very closely. When you leave here, I want you to be able to answer the question. Have you been born again? It's a simple question, but a very profound and a deep question. Do you truly know what it is to love the Lord Jesus Christ and to worship Him and to to live for Him and enjoy who He is in your life and His presence? Do you you understand the, the awesomeness of the that your sins have been forgiven and that Jesus saves. We look at life through that lens of the gospel and we have such hope and, and such joy and such anticipation of what lies ahead because we know that we have been saved and we are born again. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 9, we're kind of jumping into the middle of a conversation, but we're going to work our way back a little bit you may remember from last week if you were not here last week Jesus and Nicodemus are having a question Nicodemus had come to Christ and he was asking the question what does it mean to be born again and Nicodemus is really saying how can I know that I know God as an Old Testament Jew his desire was to please God and to know God and to live a life that was right before God and he came to Christ and he said who are you He was asking if he was who he said that he was. And Jesus, knowing the hearts and minds of all, said, what does it mean to be born again? And then in verse 9, Nicodemus said to them, how can these things be? Jesus answered him in verse 10, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not, key word, understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. You have not embraced and taken hold what I have said as Christ. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And whoever believes in him may have 
eternal life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of eternal life that you have provided through that broken body and your shed blood that day on the cross. We thank you for redemption and reconciliation that is only found through forgiveness of sin. By grace, through faith, we must be born again. We thank you, Jesus, for providing that message and that hope. We thank you, Jesus, for being the Savior that saves. Bless our time, Lord, as we open up your word. Give us the ears to hear and the mind to hear and perceive and the heart to receive. In Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. If you remember in the beginning of the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was with God. It was He that was in the beginning with God. So that's a, a great way to start off the Gospel. In the beginning there was the Word. In the beginning was Jesus Christ. He goes on to remind us that the Word became flesh in John 1.14. The Word became flesh and He tabernacled, He dwelt among us. And so the Word left heaven, Christ left heaven and He came and He dwelt among us. In the midst of the old covenant and the old law and the old way, God the Son came and He dwelt among us. And as we move forward from this point into John's gospel, we can see very clearly, we back up and look at verse 12, but all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He were not born of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So he came and dwelt, and he came so that we may see and that we may believe and that we may receive Christ for who he is, the Word, God, our Redeemer, the Master, the Lord, and in today's text, the Son of Man. And we move forward to John chapter 2, and they're at the wedding. You remember, we looked at this several weeks ago. We looked at the wedding and Jesus was saying there's a new age, there's a, a new time coming, there's a new covenant, there's a, a new way. The old wine of the old wedding ceremony has been made new in Christ. And it was the first of his signs that pointed to his deity and who he was. And so everything that Jesus is doing, he's doing for a reason to point to who he is. And so at the wedding we see a, a new age. And then in the end of chapter 2 we see Jesus in the temple and he's clearing out the temple. And he said this will be a, a house of prayer and you've turned it into a, a den of robbers because you have taken self and you put self on the throne of worship. And we've taken God and we have pushed him out of the way and he showed them that he is the new temple. He said, you'll tear the temple down and in three days it will rise again. They didn't understand it, but he said, listen, there's a new age. There's a, a new temple. Then here in chapter 3, he said, there's a new birth. You remember from last week, 
Jesus in verse 3 of that text says to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless there's a rebirth from dead to alive, those valley of dry bones being breathed upon by the Spirit of God, until that takes place, you cannot even conceive the need of the kingdom. You cannot live in the rule and the reign of God and the kingdom of God. Unless, unless one is born again, this will never take place. Nicodemus, naturally of the flesh, says, well, how can this be? I can't be born again. Aren't you grateful for the patience and the grace of God? Jesus responded, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and born of the spirit, and Jesus would always answer these questions on the level that they could understand as a Jew of Jews, he would have understood exactly what the water and the spirit meant. He was referring to what took place in, a, in Ezekiel, this, this born again experience where the spirit of God comes over someone and they are washed and they are cleansed from the inside out. And Nicodemus would have gotten that, but Nicodemus would have thought that it was already taking place because he was obeying the old law Jesus said no he said do not marvel verse 7 that you must be born again the wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes so it is with everyone that is born of the spirit we know the wind blows we understand that the wind blows we know that God works we understand God's work but some of the things of the Lord we will never understand. But Nicodemus, understand this. You must be born again. A man must be born again. A woman must be born again. See, there's this necessity for this new birth. And Jesus was pointing out that this new birth is it's supernatural. The old man cannot accomplish it. The old law cannot accomplish it. You could have lived under the old law, Nicodemus, for centuries upon centuries. And there's nothing that you could have done to cause this relationship to be right apart from grace. We must be born again. That's where I picked up in verse 9. How can this be? I wonder how many people ask that question today. How can this be? How many of our friends and our family members and our co-workers look at us when we talk about church and we talk about our relationship with Christ? You may be sitting here today and the burden is so heavy and the void is so vast and you may be asking yourself, how can this be we must be born again and today we look at we must believe to experience eternal life and to understand what it means to be born again we must be born again but in order to be born again we have to believe. But we cannot believe unless we've been born again. But to be born again, we must believe. But to believe, we need to be born again. No wonder Nicodemus says, how can this be? 
let's look at the text. And my prayer is simply this. That as we look at these, we understand that we must believe in these things if we truly want to experience the eternal life that Jesus Christ has come to offer. Notice in those first couple of verses, one must understand, one must receive, and one must believe. And see, the problem with Nicodemus is unbelieving is this, his understanding, his receiving, his believing, it was his mind and his heart that was the problem. We're dead in our trespasses and sin. Our mind is dead. Our, our heart is dead. See, there's a death problem. Notice what Christ says in verse 10. Are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? That word understand is just carries that simple idea to know, to, to grasp, to perceive, to have knowledge of something. It's not about just facts. It's not about just giving out information and we believe the facts. That's not what learning is about. Understanding and learning and education is about understanding these facts and understanding what they mean. It's not about believing there is a Jesus. They're believing that there is a God. James tells us that the demons believe in Jesus Christ and they absolutely shudder. The demons believe everything that needs to be believed about Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought about that? The demons probably have the best theology around. They under everything. I'm going to tell you, the demons understand that Jesus Christ is Lord. They won't bow to his lordship, but they know who he is. It's more than just understanding facts. It's about perceiving and understanding. Just as Christ was standing right in front of Nicodemus, and he said, Nicodemus, you don't understand these things. You don't under yes, you see the signs. Yes, you know my name is Jesus. Yes, you know that I may be a prophet or a, a man that works things of God. But Nicodemus, do you perceive, have you grasped, have you taken hold that I am Jesus and that I save? Do you understand who Jesus is? Do you understand that apart from what Christ did on the cross, our sins will never be forgiven? Do you understand, Nicodemus, that we can continue to do good things? I, I shared a story in the new member class of witnessing to a gentleman on his deathbed. And as hard as it is for me not to talk, I listen. And I shared with him the hope of the gospel. And he began the conversation by saying, but I'm a good man. And I've done good things. And as hard as it is for me to be quiet, I just listen. And he went through this scenario. Many of you heard this story. I've been a good man. I've been a good dad. I've been a good this. I've been a good this. I worked hard. People liked me. I did this. I did that. And he went through this long story of all the great things that he had done. And at the very tail end, after he exhausted his list of all the good things he said, the last thing he said to me was, and I have always taken care of my dogs and cats. 
That is a desperate man trying to work his way into the presence of God without going through the blood of the precious lamb. Think about it. I'm a good person, and I do good things. I've never done bad things. I am a good person, and Jesus is looking straight into your heart as he looked into that man's heart, as he looked into Nicodemus's heart and says, but you do not understand. You do not know. You do not perceive. You do not have knowledge of. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, verse 11, and bear witness of what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. To as many as received him who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of the blood nor the will of the flesh, but of the will of man, but of God. Verse Chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. Not only do we need to understand it, we need to receive it. But do I need to explain what a reception is? This is football country, isn't it? You watch football on Sunday afternoons, you do the early game, and then come to church at night, you're a good Baptist. There seems to be a, a, a big deal over the last couple of years. What is a catch? Do we hold it all the way to the ground? Does it wiggle on the way down? Super slow-mo replay. The ball moved and touched the ground. It's no catch. That's, a, that's like being a pastor. We're trying to figure out who's caught it. Super slow-mo replay shows me your life that that ball was wiggling on the way down. Jesus says, take hold of me and receive me. And here's the key to this. Receive me for who I am, not who you think I am. It's one thing to say, I believe in Jesus. It's a one, another thing to say, Jesus, I am a wretched, dead, sinner, depraved, in need of a Savior. Will you forgive me? I think sometimes people come to Christ because they think, why shouldn't Jesus forgive me? I'm me. Nicodemus, look at me. Understand who I am and receive me. That's the same message today. We look into the world today and we have the, the message, we have the gospel and Jesus is still saying, I save. Will you believe that? Will you receive that? He goes on to say in verse 12, If any of you have told earthly things you do not believe, how can you believe heavenly things? When I was a younger pastor, I used to think it was my job in a good way, it was a good thing at the time. It's my job to get people saved. I'm the pastor. And you know I like to talk. Could you imagine being at your house on a Saturday afternoon in the middle of a project and I come knocking on your door? Sir, ma'am, if I'd ask you one question, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven or to hell? That's a great question. Nothing wrong with asking that question. Well, I don't know. I'd love to come in and share. I felt like I was unloading the, the rainbow vacuum cleaner, you know. 
I'd just like to come in and talk a little while about what, and I thought, I'm not leaving here. They get saved, bless God. We'll be here all day. Young and full of zealous gospel energy. And I remember sitting in that situation one time, and I was Roman Road, Roman Road, Roman Road, Roman Road. You must be born again. You get that little evangelist voice going. You must be born again. Do you know that you know that you know? And it was like an audible voice from heaven said, What are you doing as peddling the word of God? And it dawned on me. My delivery does not save anybody. My personality doesn't save anybody. My excitement does not save anybody. My zeal does not save anybody. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ will save me. If I cannot walk into a home, if I cannot talk to a total stranger and lay out the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and say, what is preventing you from receiving that message today? And they look at me and say, listen, I'm not going to do that. If that is not enough, then it's not enough. If it is that plus something else, if that was the case, we'd lock the back doors and sing just as I am till evening service until everybody got saved. Have you ever been in one of those services where you just say, well, somebody please go forward so we can go home? Do you believe, Nicodemus, who I am and what I'm saying? Could you imagine if we understood that as a church, that we believed so much in the power of the gospel and the power of what God will do to change that heart and mind? That's the issue. It is a mind and a heart issue. If you think about it, I want to step back for just a second. I want us to think about, uh, and, and I'm not saying we can do this as far as point by point. I think there's a process. There's things that are going on we think about salvation. We think about understanding and perception and receiving and, and, and believing in the gospel. A word that is in Scripture that we really don't know what to do with is this idea of election and predestination. We don't know what to do with it because it makes us nervous. I think there's a, a process, I think, of salvation. It starts with God. And all the biblical and the New Testament idea, well, it's not, it's a biblical. The biblical idea that God is in control of everything, that God is calling. God called the nation of Israel right we get so nervous when we think about election and predestination and the concept that God is in control and God is calling election to me when I think about this process of salvation you have Nicodemus you have Jesus you have him not understanding Jesus is telling him you've got to be born again but it's not of the flesh it is of the will of God it is something that takes place that is supernatural so you cannot get the credit for it but yet it's something you must believe in so I think when we look at election and we look at predestination that is God with a plan he sent his son and he died on a cross, and he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. And then God the Father and God the Son sent God the Spirit, and the Spirit came upon us as a helper and as a paraclete. And even Jesus reminds us in the Gospels that the, the Spirit comes to convict and to lead and to guide, and it's the Holy Spirit's job to hover amongst us and to convict us and to encourage us as people of God.
And so election and predestination is God's part in salvation. He's got to do something. It's a valley of dry bones that we are dead in our trespasses and sin for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's this idea that God has got to do something. It is not a scary word or a divisive word. It is a glorious word. Because if God is not in control of everything, he can't be in control of anything. And so when it comes to me, I know God is working behind the scenes. And I know that it is not an earthly thing. It is a spiritual thing. I know that God is working as the wind blows. And I have no idea about the wind blowing, but I know it's there. I feel it. I see it. I don't know where God is working, but I know that where his gospel is proclaimed, hearts begin to change. I've seen people come into a worship service, and they don't even want to be there. And God opens their heart. I went to church as a believer. I grew up going to church, and it was through the Holy Spirit. When God called me to salvation, I was sitting in the youth group and got saved, but I was going to church up to that point. As a disobedient Christian, I went to church for all the wrong reasons. You ever gone to church for a girl? Most men go. That's why I got here. I wasn't looking for love in all the wrong places. That's a song. That was original. I was looking for love in all the right places at church. And I was sitting by the beloved. My heart was pitter-pattering. And I was singing the songs or just humming the songs or whatever, but I was not thinking about the things of the gospel. I was not thinking about my walk with Christ. And all of a sudden, Brother Lanny stood up and he started preaching the word, and all of a sudden my heart began to break. And if you think I walked in there to be a changed man, you are sadly mistaken. I walked in there because I thought I was in love. Well, I was. She didn't know it yet. I still have friends, true story, I still have friends that believe this is all an act, so Sharon would marry me. I don't think you can fake being a Baptist preacher, can you? God just showed up in his mercy because the word was proclaimed and he showed a, a rebellious 20-something-year-old boy how far he had gotten away from the love of his life, the Lord Jesus Christ. The wind blows where it will, and we don't have any idea. This is not an earthly thing. This is a spiritual thing. This is giving God the credit he deserves to move behind the scenes in a way that we can never orchestrate. Then, how do we know where God is working? When we throw out the gospel. God is working. We know he's working. How do I know where he's working when I throw the gospel out there? When I love someone and I pray for someone, and just as Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, this is the gospel, you must be born again. I'll tell you this, every, every time we give a time of decision, a decision's made. Every one of you make a decision. You believe it or you don't believe it. 
where the, the sovereignty of God and man come together is at the gospel. What will we do with the gospel? He looked at Nicodemus and said, you've got to understand, you've got to believe, you've got to receive the gospel. We must be born again. We must believe. It is our mind and our heart that is the issue. Nicodemus was a religious man, but it wasn't good enough. He was a, a smart man. He wasn't good enough. He was a successful man. He wasn't good enough. He was an influential man, but it wasn't good enough. He said, you must be born again. You must understand that Jesus Christ died on a cross for your sin. You must believe that you are a sinner and that he paid an ultimate price that you could not pay. You must receive that message willfully and hum with humility and with much joy and much excitement that you realize your life is absolutely nothing and all the things that we think we have accomplished and can accomplish is nothing and we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior and our Master and we live the rest of our life adoring and worshiping him. That's what it means to be born again. And then he moves on in verse 13. I didn't see this at first. That's why we study the text. I want to encourage you to come back tonight as we dig a little deeper into the word and it's kind of a, a digging a little deeper for my men's group I'll encourage you that we've got a, a group of men that I meet with that we meet the first Saturday of every month at 8 o'clock in the adult 5 Sunday school building which right outside that walkway we have a topic and we discuss we've been looking at understanding the Bible Saturday we looked at how do we interpret the Bible why do we have so many different interpretations of the Bible and there's so much good stuff on that. I said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this much and let's discuss. And I'm going to finish up tonight. I want you to come back tonight and we're going to look at how we can understand the Word of God and apply it and bring it into our life. Here's a good example. Why we understand and interpret and we study the Word. Notice what verse 13. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. We look at that and we say, well, that makes sense. He's son of God, son of man. We have the deity of God. He is God, son of God. But he's also humanity. He came and he paid the penalty. He became us to, to pay the ultimate sacrifice. He is the son of man. Yes. But I want you to consider also this. It may be hard to find if you're not familiar with the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. The book of Daniel is a historical account of what is taking place in the, in the nation of Israel in exile. They have been taken out of Jerusalem in Babylon. And the first part of, of Daniel is about the exile and the things that are going on. And then in Daniel chapter 7 and following, Daniel begins to get some visions that are from the Lord about being in exile, being delivered, future hope. 
the coming of the king, all the great hope for the nation of Israel, but also the great hope for the church and the bride of Christ that is to come. So Daniel 7 and following a prophetic word that God gave Daniel to share with the nation of Israel. Listen to this. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. Nicodemus would have understood it, and this is exactly what Jesus meant when he said, Son of man. I saw in the night visions, and behold, the cloud of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man. The clouds opened up, and one came like the Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days, and he presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, and to all the peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one, and they shall not be destroyed. Right before that, in the beginning of chapter 7, is the, is the prophecy of the beast and the nations that all fell, and all the beasts that fell, and the last beast was the nation. Of, of Rome and he followed through immediately with the great nation that will fall but this is what he said there will be a day when the son of man will come isn't that awesome we look at our life today and we think but there's a day when the son of man will come and he will rule and he will reign and his kingdom will be forever and his dominion will be forever and he will rule all nations Flip back to John chapter 3, verse 13. No one, Jesus said in verse 13, John 3, 13, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. He might as well look at Nicodemus because they wouldn't have had the Old Testament quite divided up the way we do now. He said, there's going to be one that descends. Daniel 7, 13. I'm it. He is the Son of Man. There is a, a futuristic fulfillment to the kingdom, but we understand when we see this, yes, we need to understand, we need to receive, and we need to believe. First, we need to understand that our mind and heart is the problem that is within us. But secondly, Jesus is the Son of Man. We must see Jesus for who He is. He is the Son of Man. He is the Lord and He is the Master and He rules all nations. He rules all things. He has dominion over everything. It is futuristic, but it is also now. It is the eschatological term, the already but the not yet. I'm already born again. I already have eternal life, but it is not yet fully and completely revealed until I'm rose from the dead and I'm united with my soul and I have a new body. That won't limp. And it's glorified. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? We don't, we don't think about it. It's hard to grasp it. You know what that's going to be like? I mean, the minute I die, I go into the presence of the Lord. But can you imagine what's going to happen when my body and my soul and we reign with the Lord Jesus? And I tell people, listen, if you can't get excited about that and you're worried about it, you're not born again. I've had people tell me, well, I don't go to church. What in the world are you going to do in heaven all day? I just worship the Lord by myself. Well, that's what they're saying in hell right now. 
We're going to rule and reign and worship with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. He has dominion and authority forever and ever and ever. And he can be Lord of your life right now. Today we're recognizing graduates. I don't know if I knew what I wanted to be when I was graduating. I was so in love. All I wanted to be was the husband of the beloved. She probably thought the same thing and then changed her mind about halfway in. And our graduates are so worked up right now. They're either worked up or they think they got all the answers. And either way, I just want to love on them a little bit. I don't know what I'm going to do, Pastor. It's going to be okay, Jesus. You're going to be all right. And then those, those that say, well, I'm going to be the next. Okay, cool it down a little bit. It's all right. Why is it all right? Because if you've given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what is going on in your life. You could be sick. You could be broke. You could be having all kind of things going on in your life that you don't want to be going on. You could have all of these things outside of your control. But I'm going to tell you, he is the son of man. And he rules and he reigns and he has dominion. I think about the church often. I was reading this week about a pastor that took a leave of absence because he was just so stressed out in a good way. He had to take a leave of absence because he was in the middle of a lot of great things going on. He said, man, I was just war slapped out. It'll wear you out. You imagine taking our senior adults off on a trip? It is exhausting. I bet I said, watch the curb a thousand times. Watch the curb, watch the curb, watch the curb, watch the curb, watch the curb. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because my mother didn't see the curb and she broke her ankle. Watch the curb, watch the curb, watch the curb. But you think about everything we do as a pastor, as a parent, as a child, wherever you are. He is the Son of Man. And He has dominion over all the nations. And if he has dominion over all the nations, guess where I am? In the palm of his hand. Recognize him for who he is, Lord. Come to him. Crawl to him. Run to whatever you need to do. Come to Jesus as the Son of Man. When he, when he departs the heavens as the Lord of lords and King of kings one day, it's going to be too late. See Jesus for who he is. Not who, this, not who you want him to be. Jesus is not some convenient thing we pull out of our wallet when we want to be religious. Jesus is not just something we do when the calendar's empty. Jesus is not just something that we have done with our mind. Jesus is something we have done with our lives. Jesus is about being all in with him. I made these notes about John 7. The Son of Man comes from heaven to earth to judge the earth and to have dominion over all. Do you know that Jesus Christ, I see these t-shirts around a lot, and they're not meant to be really encouraging biblically. God is my only judge. Yes, he is. Like that's some joke. Jesus can judge me. Would you? Yes, he is going to judge you based on the holiness of God. And apart from his redeeming blood, you will never pass that that test of judgment. 
yes, God is our only judge. You got that right. And the Son of Man comes as that judge. He is said to be the one whom we all will worship. Every The Bible says that when Christ comes that we stand before him, every knee will bow. I used to think that meant there were going to be some deacons up in heaven, some ushers in heaven. There will be ushers and deacons in heaven. I didn't mean they weren't. And every time an unbeliever came before Jesus, somebody's going to push them down and say, you will worship him. Oh, no, that's not what's going to happen. Every human being that comes into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ will acknowledge him as Lord. And for those that have never repented of their sins and believed in the repentance of their sin and never placed their faith in Christ, it, like he says in Matthew, he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And they will bow before the king of kings before they spend eternity in hell because he is the king of kings. And then third, his reign will last forever. So one, we must understand, receive, and believe. Therefore, our mind and heart is where the problem is. Secondly, Jesus is the son of man. We must see Jesus for who he is. Third, he has been lifted up. The debt has been paid. And as Moses lifted up the serpent, we don't have time to go there and really read it, so you go there, Numbers 21, 4 through 9 in the Old Testament. Go to the left a long way. The people of Israel were in the wilderness, and they were, they were I, somebody says, that, how long have Baptists been around? Forever. How do you know? Because these have to be Baptist people. They were delivered out of Egypt. God had just blessed them and they started whining. We should have never left. I mean, that's funny. I'm, if you follow me, I'm taking you to the promised land. We'll go if it's going to be good. And the second discomfort comes, well, we, I wish we were back in Egypt. Like I said, if I was God, everybody, a lot more people would have leprosy now than before. I'd just get frustrated. Ah! Sounds kind of crazy. So what did God do? God always, God always, always judges disobedience. There may be some patience there because I think some people treat sin like dipping your toe in a water. Just a little bit, a little bit. No, God always judges sin. In this case, he sent poisonous snakes and they started biting and killing people. Well, that's kind of harsh. Well, that's what a righteous judge does. And he told Moses, he said, Moses put a, put a bronze serpent on a stick, and you take that bronze serpent on that stick, and you lift it up before my people, and if my people will look up, I will heal them. Well, that's kind of odd sounding, isn't it? Why would Jesus bring that up? And Moses, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man, the righteous ruler, the redeeming king, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Think about this. Numbers 21 was a picture of Jesus and his work. 
In the Bible, serpents are often used as pictures of evil, but in this case, because they were made with bronze, it signified because bronze was purged with fire, the idea that it was a bronze serpent carries the idea that it does not speak of sin, but that sin has been judged. So we take the serpent and we cover it with bronze, we have dealt with that sin. We put the dealing of sin up on that stick. And in the same way, Jesus, who knew no sin, came before no sin, became sin for us on the cross, and our sin was judged in him. The people were saved not by doing anything, but by simply looking to the serpent. As it says in Isaiah 45, 22, look to me. And be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Boy, what a prophetic word he gave Nicodemus. And I will be lifted up. And I will redeem the sin of mankind. I will be judged so that you may be forgiven. then last as he is lifted up and our debt has been paid whoever believes in him should have eternal life we must place our faith in Christ as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the son of man be lifted up verse 15 that whoever believes remember how I defined believe a while ago think to be true, to be persuaded, to be accounted as your credit, to place confidence in. If we understand that Jesus Christ was lifted up on that cross for my sin, a debt that I could not pay, something that I am guilty of and worthy of that separation from God, but Jesus Christ was lifted up so that my sins would be forgiven. And as we sang, Jesus saved. You must be born again as you believe and place faith in Jesus Christ. It is more than acknowledging that I must be born again. Have you been born again? By grace through faith we place our belief in what Christ has done the finished work of Jesus Christ. Somebody asked me one time years ago, how do you know if someone's been born again? And I said, because they believe. Well, how do you know they can believe? Because they have to be born again before they can believe. That's pretty cool, isn't it? How's somebody born again when they believe? And if they believe, it's shown they've been born again. How do you know somebody's received the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because when I preached it, they took it for what it was, and they embraced it, and they received Christ, and they lived their life for Jesus Christ. That's how I know they received it. Isn't that simple? I'll let you in on a little secret before we get there. Nicodemus does get right eventually. John chapter 8, we hear a little bit more about that. 18, we, we find out a little bit more about Nicodemus. But he only got right when.
when he went through Jesus Christ. It's not about religion. It's not about church. It's not about good works. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about what you can do. It is the simple, time-tested issue. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Savior and He is Lord. He has been lifted up. Do you understand that? Do you believe that? Have you received that? Let's stand as we pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit and of your word. That just as the wind blows and we do not understand or nor necessarily see the wind, we see the effects of that wind. I know without a shadow of a doubt, based on the authority of who you are, that you are working in your midst and you are honoring the preaching of your word and you are changing the hearts of people so that they may hear and see and they may believe. And that as people step out in faith and believe and grasp the gospel of Jesus Christ, your word says that because of that, that is a sign, that is the understanding that they have been born again. Lord, I pray that no one leaves here like Nicodemus today, confused about earthly things, but they are looking at you, Lord Jesus, in a spiritual way. And that their sin is the issue, their heart is the issue, and they realize that you have been lifted up and that you are the Son of Man and that they can be born again today. Allow by your goodness and your grace this morning for that to happen. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are able. And we pray this in your name.